listening to Hands On Security, Hunter's Hands On Security Podcast. Cybersecurity up close and practical. Hey everyone, I'm Dvir Sayag, and welcome to a new episode of Hands On Security Podcast. This podcast is for everyone who is interested in practical cybersecurity information. Today, we are discussing one of the trendiest concepts not only in cybersecurity but in technology in general, which is machine learning. Beyond being a buzzword that most security companies use nowadays, ML has a tremendous effect in the security industry. Today we have Katie. Katie is a data scientist at Hunters and a PhD candidate in computer science at Tel Aviv University. Katie will tell us more about ML in security and how security practitioners can implement it truly to enhance uh, the security posture of an organization. Welcome, Katie. I'm happy to have you today. Hi, Dvir. So let's jump right into the subject of today. Uh, can you please give us a quick overview of what ML in general and ML models are? So usually ML models tend to be divided into two groups, supervised and unsupervised. So supervised models have to get labeled data, and uh, those are used to make predictions on other unclassified data. What do you mean by labeled data or unclassified data? Labeled data is a group of samples that have been tagged with one or more labels. Um, in cyber world, it could be a cyber attack uh, that we have detected. Imagine an application that is being used by your organization and you would like to detect malicious logins attempts. So a malicious login uh, from a suspicious IP uh, that your analysts have uh, detected could be treated as labeled data. So after receiving stolen credentials in like any kind of way, for example, a phishing attack, I would assume that the login attempt is suspicious because of the different IP addresses that the attacker uses. Um, would you tag it as labeled data? Uh, so yeah, if you think that it's a real attack, then yes, you could use it as labeled data. Sounds good. Like, so like everything that is uh, a true event that we are sure that it's a, an attack. Or any other kind of events that you would like to detect more, more of this kind. Okay, so what if we don't have any label data or like attacks that we've detected before? You would like to use unsupervised models. They don't have, uh, they don't need label data and they are focused on learning patterns over all the data and to get insights on it. Um, sounds good. Uh, but how can I use it? How can I use it to help me as a security tool for organizations? Since machine learning algorithms are very good at recognizing patterns or clustering the data, and they're good at predicting, uh, predicting expected values, particularly at large scale or in large volumes of data, they have many potential uses as security tools. Mm -hmm. The most common is anomaly detection, and anomaly simply means not like usually. And if you collect data that is representing a certain event, uh, say a login into one of your services, then a trained ML model could help you spot irregular login attempts. Uh, they may not necessarily be malicious. Uh, mm -hmm. That is a question of context or other parameters. Uh, but they will definitely be anomalous. 
if your model is a good one, then, <laughs> then yeah, they will be well, anomalous. I hope that our models are good ones. Um, so, I mean, this is a big problem for analysts uh, nowadays, uh, like all of the uh, subject of false positives in different uh, security organizations. Uh, it's truly like a lot of noise and time consuming. Uh, what would you say the ratio is between true attacks and the rest of the data? It's a difficult question. Um, different experts have different assessments. One of the challenges in computing the exact number is that it could uh, vary depending on uh, applications and data sources. Mm-hmm. And we don't we're not sure that we have collected all of the attacks. Uh, so anyway, we're talking about a really, really small percentage uh, from all of the events. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from that point, uh, we could try and learn how our data usually looks and uh, how we can model it correctly to represent its essence. And after doing that, we could even use any of the existing algorithms to highlight um, those anomalies anomalies in the data. Yes, yeah, so I think that like uh, the most important thing for decision makers is if they can trust ML models to reduce false positives and in general make sure that the analyst's time uh, is using properly, is being used properly. Uh, so would you say that ML can make it better? I would say yes. Uh, if the ML models are correctly constructed and being tested, uh, you could expect good results and a signif- significant reduction in false positives. Another possible solution uh, that you might consider for reducing the false positives uh, is to verify um, those events uh, with other uh, with other data sources. For us at hunters, uh, it's been really helpful. So I think that like, again, when I'm referring to uh, if they're using their time properly, I think t- that decision makers are also uh, referring to about the cost effectiveness of using to uh, like wanting to implement a new strategy, an ML strategy. And so does it require spatial infrastructure to start doing that? So AI tends to work better when there are when there is uh, lots of clean and well organized data. It could work even better when we have the understanding of how the events that we would like to find look like, and even better when we have many examples of such events. And to implement the simple algorithms, for example, some of the anomaly detection algorithms mm-hmm. that we it, will talk about later. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't take much uh, and basically just require the data itself and uh, maybe some basic cons- computation power that could be even your personal computer and also basic knowledge to adjust the data and create the correct features. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm also, I also think that uh, it's not common nowadays to use ML as a primary detection and response tool. Uh, and you still need a lot of domain experts uh, in various fields to get the detection right. Um, you are a PhD uh, candidate, as, as we can tell. Um, why do you think that it happens? Like, what are the current ch- the correct challenges of using ML in cybersecurity? Uh, so you're right that ML is uh, not being used, not usually being used as a primary detection tool. 
And I think that it's not trivial to create structured data in the cybersecurity world. And it's even harder to create the features that will capture the essence of the events uh, you would like to catch. Um, sometimes when the above mentioned concepts are not implemented correctly, the model could output a large number of uh, false classifications. False cl classifications, you mean false positives? Well, it could be uh, events that you classify as uh, attacks or classify as malicious attack, as malicious events, and they are not malicious. They're just maybe uh, anomalies, but they're not um, attacks. Mm -hmm. So how can we verify these models? Like, is it possible to also explain its conclusions? So uh, for complex ML models, um, Complex ML models tend to be difficult to explain. Eventually, it's not enough to just highlight a specific event and tag it as a malicious one. Uh, most of the time, additional explanation is required and either for further research or even for the validation of our algorithm by cyber experts um, that will have to go over the data and um, examine it manually. Mm -hmm. Can you... Uh, do it differently? Um, so again, uh, you could try uh, to incorporate several data sources together uh, to maybe have a better verification system. Uh, but I think that at least in the beginning, you will have to get cyber experts to explore the data manually and um, have their insights. Let's talk about uh, practical ways that you can implement uh, ML-based uh, ML detections in your security stack. Um, how do you use it at Hunters? Like what kind of detections do you have that are based by ML? Um, we have several anomaly detection algorithms, uh, sometimes um, implemented on a single data source and sometimes implemented on several sources. It's important to say that it doesn't have to be anomaly algorithms, right? Like it can be different kinds. It of could be other algorithms. It depends on what kind of uh, things you would like to do, what kind of problems you would like to solve. Uh, generally, in, in the cybersecurity world, you would generally would like to capture um, yeah. the things that could look like an attack. So yeah. uh, the concept of anomaly detection algorithm is really common in uh, different data sources and different concepts. And yeah, we know that attackers have to do something differently than the users, so it must be something that it's anomalous in its nature. Yeah, we, we, we just hope that um, the attacker will be uh, really different from the regular user and that we could spot um, that we could spot this attempt. Okay, so what kinds of anomaly detection algorithms do you have? Uh, so one example is anomaly detection model that we have developed for login attempts. Uh, it could be for various applications. Uh, we try to capture um, the login patterns for each user, but at the same time, uh, see the bigger picture of the entire organization whose data we're getting. Uh, so we would like to determine uh, what is considered normal behavior in the organization. Sometimes changes in the user's behavior happen simultaneously in a large part of the organization. And that 
reduces its significance. So, for example, for a specific organization where no one uses proxy IPs, such uh, such an event could be flagged as an anomaly. Uh, on the other hand, in an organization where everyone uses uh, proxy IPs, it's obviously not anomalous. Yeah. But if an attacker knows uh, that, for example, uh, in an organization, uh, people are using uh, proxies, so the attacker would also use proxies. So how would you solve this problem? Proxy IPs are just uh, is just one example of the things that we're doing. Uh, we have lots of features that incorporate uh, all kind of information from that organization, and we use it all to have a better understanding for how a normal login looks like. Uh, so I would say that we would uh, probably still get him. Okay, you win. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, tell me the secret. How are you doing that? Um, so I think that we, we try to think, uh, what is the best way to represent our data? Uh, sometimes when you change the representation, you end up having much richer information that couldn't be represented otherwise. For example? Um, so we use graphs as a tool to model our data and its connections more accurately. Uh, by doing that, we could create solutions that are better fitted for graphs and hopefully better tackle our challenges. I think that the graph is a great, a great way to solve this problem. So if I'm convinced and I am convinced that uh, uh, I should, if I would open, if I would start a cybersecurity organization right now, I would probably use ML, uh, but I don't know how. And it's a problem. So I, how can I start? Like, what are the action items that I need to do right now? I think that the most important thing is uh, the most important thing to consider when using ML is whether it is really needed, and whether the true edge of those algorithms uh, are are reflected in your proposed implementation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, especially when you have a small amount of data or you're not sure what the events uh, that you are looking for look like, simple heuristics could be more suitable. And by simple heuristics, you mean that? A rule-based detection that you could apply and sometimes could be more, could be could be good enough. Yeah, like if, um, if the attacker uh, uses a proxy, uh, do that. If the attacker uses an IP from a specific country, so it's malicious or not malicious. malicious. Well, it, it could be um, too simple, uh, but I think that the, the most basic thing that you will have to do is to formalize your problem, um, to really uh, understand what is the problem that you would like to solve. Uh, sometimes, especially if you're unfamiliar with ML models, you will mm -hmm. need assistance uh, from a data scientist. And uh, I think that you will have to uh, get the data and prepare it for ML models. And um, after hopefully achieving the right results, you will have to deploy your model to production. So those parts uh, where generally data or machine learning engineers are involved. It's important to say that uh, there are a lot of uh, security vendors or security tools that uh, offer this capability uh, built in as part of their out-of-the-box knowledge um, and uses ML in their everyday detection tools. 
uh, I, I promise that it's not a marketing stunt, but uh, you can see uh, in its finest, you can see it as in its finest at Hunters, uh, as our ML team is responsible for all of the ML-based detections that make life much easier. And it's on not only at Hunters, a lot of different tools use that. And I think that uh, if you don't have the way uh, to implement it yourself, you can just acquire uh, a security tool that has it uh, as out-of-the-box knowledge. Um, Katie, any last words for our listeners? Um, I think that you shouldn't be afraid uh, to be creative and to use uh, your data uh, to solve uh, those problems with ML-based algorithms. And I think that there are many ways to model your data and extract features from it. And I wish you all good luck. Thank you, Katie. I'm really happy that you managed to come here uh, and talk wisdom to us. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And until next time. This was Hands-On Security. Everything you need to know about cybersecurity, up close and practical. הופק על ידי פיקאסט co.il, מבשלת פודקאסט ישראלית.